This episode is brought to you by New Balance. You don't have to be an elite athlete when you pound the pavement. Whether you've run five marathons or you only run when necessary, whether you're chased by bears, zombies, monsters, the apocalypse is coming, but New Balance will have you covered regardless. Whether you need shoes for comfort, stability, or race day speed, they've got you covered because the only right way to run is your way. New Balance, run your way. Visit newbalance.com slash running to learn more. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Good morning, elegant listeners, and welcome to Go, my favorite sports team. It may not be morning for you, but it is morning for us right now. I am your host, Tyler Scheid, the one with the master's degree, the one with the piece of paper that says he's an official expert that can be brought into court for sport reasons. And I'm the other guy. I was going to introduce you. I'm the other guy. I'm here with Markiplier, the other guy. The other guy. do you want to explain why you're the other guy? Yeah, I got a piece of paper that says I'm the other guy. So whenever a court <laughs> needs another guy, I'm the guy that they call up. So like, if they need another guy to be there to verify some things, I'm there. Oh, Jesus. Is that really a thing where if you got, if, if someone needed an expert in sport for like, you know, court reasons to explain to a jury that your degree actually enables you to be authorized to be there? It was a thing talked about when I was getting my master's degree. I don't know if my professor was joking I don't know when a Masters of Sport Administration would come into play, but it's apparently a thing. Okay, that's an interesting thing. Good to know. It's like jury duty. You never know you're going to do it until you're there. Yeah, because administrators apparently help with recruiting efforts, set athletic goals for players, work with player agents to negotiate contracts, arrange activities and events off the field, and, you know, know a lot about sport. Oh, wow. That makes it seem like your your degree is actually important. Yeah. You, you, I mean, when it comes to the sport industry, you know, a lot of the people that work in the front offices tend to have a degree similar to mine. Man, I've been making fun of it this whole time, and so has everyone listening to this. Yeah, well, you know what's going on right now, Mark. Uh, well, what do you mean? You don't know anything about what's going on over here. You don't have any evidence. You, 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 you'd have to take me to court over it. What? Uh, is, uh, you don't know what's going on, and I'm not going to say what's going on because there's nothing going on. You don't have any evidence. I have all the evidence. It's all over TV. You don't know anything. I deny everything. I deny all of it. I gotta go. Um, I There's a previous uh, thing I got at the airport to fly me to another country that you don't need to know about, but it doesn't matter. I'm just taking a vacation right now, so I'll see you. Mark? Anyway, Mark, I, w- I wasn't talking about you. You're, you're safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? Uh, oh, I, I, I was talking about March Madness. Oh. You know, the college basketball tournament that has people going wild, filling out brackets everywhere, both for the women's and men's basketball tournaments. Oh, okay. 
the one that you beat me in last year, and I'm supposed to be your chauffeur at some point. Oh, um, right. That God, I'm, oh no, that's been a year. Good God, oh no, don't remind people about how bad <laughs> we are on these things. <laughs> well, uh, you know, uh, for the second time in history, a first seed got knocked out by a 16 seed, which oh. was uh, Purdue. Oh, Purdue wow. Purdue lost. I would have predicted that. You would have? Yeah, I would have predicted that. Arizona, a two seed, also lost to a 15 seed. But yeah. it's it's been a wild time with March Madness going on. Okay. Um, but that's not what we're, we're going to talk about today. Yeah, because I'm already beating Tyler in this year's bracket, so uh, he's going to be punished you didn't extremely. You fill out a bracket. Oh, you don't know that. Did you secretly fill out a bracket without telling me? Uh, you I, I have a whole life outside of this that you don't even know about. I'm taking this knowledge that you're giving me to the next level. Wait, are you training for when we actually go and try these different sports so that you can just absolutely destroy me and be like, ha, master's degree, my ass. I'm sorry, what are we doing? (laughs) Oh, right, that secret. Um, Anyway, moving on. Moving on. Okay, all right, sure. Uh, Today we're talking about the Iditarod. No, we're not. Yes. No, we're jacuzzing you. No, what? You forgot about the most important part that people always look forward to every single time. There's some jacuzzi's. No, the most important part was the current events, the thing that I haven't done for a while, and that's why I briefly mentioned March Madness. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. Yeah, right. Okay, that's fine. Mm. No, Mm -hmm. no, 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 Mm -hmm. no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. Are are the ghosts uh, a little slow because it's early in the morning? Ghosts are a little slow, yeah, very early in the morning. Also, I I apologize to everyone listening to this. If you hear running water in the background, it's because Sean is taking a shower in the other room. (laughs) I was wondering, it's... It doesn't really sound like running water, and I only hear it when you talk, but there's like this interesting... <laughs> I didn't know what it was. Just take it as the just ghost. this weird sound it's in the, the background. It's the ghosts getting in here. All right. So there's a... There's the water a, ghosts. There's a very upvoted jacuzzi here uh, by Sad Employee 3978 here, which is titled Mr. Mark I Plier to the Stand. Gentle <laughs> listeners of the jury, which is not the, the elegant listeners of the jury, so they're off to a terrible start here. Um, uh, it has yes, been yeah. 17 weeks since we were improperly informed about the 101 Dalmatians. Wait, this isn't even about the right podcast. <laughs> Wait, no, did we talk about it here? No, we talked about okay, it Okay, <laughs> all right, sure, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and how that number has come to be. Mr. Mark I Plier, if that is your real name, which it is, dummy, stated that that poor mama Dalmatian birthed 101 puppies, but Tyler knew the truth. This ghost will continue to haunt the Reddit hallways until this is rectified jacuz. And it's a whole bunch of people that are like, oh, well, well, they they just can't deny, or they can't accept, (laughs) they can't accept the truth of it. That 101 Dalmatians is what happened in that basement when the puppies were getting birthed. No, it isn't! Why is the name of the movie 101 Dalmatians then? Because at the end of the movie, when they're counting all of the puppies, they end up with a total of 101, including the two parent dogs. So where did the puppies come from? They were counting at the beginning of the movie, and then they ended the count at the end of the movie. The whole movie is just counting the Dalmatians, and then the whole thing is about the miracle of birth. And wow, (laughs) look at the end of it. They had 101 Dalmatians. Check in, mate. Ghost banished forever. Okay, so here's another jacuzzi. 
H-I-E-I-2-K-7 has said, Tyler, we gotta talk. Man to red truck. I don't know what that means, <laughs> but that's what they're calling you. Either they're a red truck or you're a red... I don't know. Either way. We know you're abusing baby Mark and forcing him into sweatshop labor and working him to the bone on metallurgy, advanced materials, and applied sciences in manufacturing. But enough's enough. Baby Mark signed a union card today, held his vote, and now he's a union baby. So me and my friends... Uh, yeah. <laughs> me and my friends with their support devices, quote-unquote, crowbar, ball bat, lead pipe, are gonna, quote, support you real good in your future manufacturing endeavors. Please, though, let we bab Mark rest a bit. So, Tyler... You and your your, your capitalist <laughs> sporting ways, abusing the the baby labor. We know all of your factories producing all of your loose sleds and all of your hurly sticks, and your we know you're using baby skulls of the of the baby labor that didn't quite make the cut, and you know maybe got into a horrible manufacturing accident. We know those are the hurly balls, or maybe those are the hurlies. I can't remember specifically. I was talking to Sean about how I was trying to remember everything I learned about Irish sports, and I actually remembered quite a bit. But I may have mentioned that the balls were baby skulls, and he may have looked at me funny, but. <laughs> How dare you? Listen, listen. All right. First of all, what are you to say what I do with my wow, child? Wow. Wow. <laughs> I'm your child now? In this podcast, baby Mark is my child. Uh-huh. Interesting. And these are the simple chores of the olden days, you know, blacksmithing, mm. uh, shaping canoes and sleds. Uh, simple, simple times. Right, right, right. Okay, no, so it's fine. Baby Mark signed up for this. Right, right. Okay. When when Mark was like, "I'm Baby Mark. How do I do this?" And I'm like, "All right, well, we're going into this, and I'm gonna, I'm just, I'm just throwing you into the fire." All right. Well, don't throw babies into the fire. What's wrong with you? How dare you? <laughs> Hey, listen, I fell into a fire when I was a kid. I turned out okay. You fell? What are you, the hound? What happened to you as a child? <laughs> it was fine. My mom grabbed me right away with that superhuman mom reaction that you get when... Uh, How do you um... fall into a fire? Okay, so I was sitting on a log, and I was leaning forward on the log, so it was tipping forward because I want I like fire, and it was warm, <laughs> and I was cold. And so the log started falling, and so I started falling, and my hands went onto the hot, like, grill that was over the fire, and my mom grabbed me and scooped me up, like, in an instant, and ran my hands under the cool water, because you don't want cold water, and you don't want it, you know, to, to be too juxtaposed, because then you cause bigger blistering. And I didn't really burn that bad, apparently, so... Okay, all right then. Uh, sure, that's a fascinating story. <laughs> I can just see like you <laughs> leaning forward and the fire is reflected in your eyes and you're just muttering under your breath over and over, I love fire, I love fire, I love fire, I love fire, I love fire. <laughs> you know, and on that day, because I didn't get burned too bad, I did not become an arsonist. All right, yeah, he got it scared out of him as far as we know. <laughs> it, it's true, I haven't. I haven't burned anything down other than known objects that were I was being told to burn when you told me to get the sticks and light it on fire and for us to grill on the 4th of July.
This episode is brought to you by New Balance. You don't have to be an elite athlete when you pound the pavement. Whether you've run five marathons or you only run when necessary, whether you're chased by bears, zombies, monsters, the apocalypse is coming. But New Balance will have you covered regardless. Whether you need shoes for comfort, stability, or race day speed, they've got you covered. Because the only right way to run is your way. New Balance. Run your way. Visit newbalance.com slash running to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Rocket Money. You know all those subscription websites, they just hide those charges from you. They're hidden and repetitive and you forget about them. Oh, I know exactly which websites you're talking about. The ones that you like to go to. You do? I've literally spent so long digging through my finances. Rocket Money can help cancel your subscriptions. You're saying Rocket Money is a personal finance app that helps and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so you can grow grow your savings? Absolutely, yes. With Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses? Uh-huh, yeah. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lower bills for me? Up to 20%? Maybe. But for our listeners, definitely yes. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash sportsteam. That's R-O-C-K-E-T-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash S-P-O-R-T-S-T-E-A-M. That's rocketmoney.com slash sports team okay and we're back for our moment of silence for all the the non-union <laughs> sports the union. babies that have uh that have unfortunately been lost due to tyler's horrific horrific manufacturing processes i gotta ask though did, did, is this a baby union are, are they are they bringing out their baby representatives of, the, of themselves to form this union and protect you with crowbars and did they say anchors were they like carried Dude, anchors with you them? do not want to stare down a mob of a hundred babies with crowbars ball bats and lead pipes you think you're going to stand up against it's like the the baby-sized horses or horse-sized baby we have like our union boss is a horse-sized baby <laughs> like with a lead pipe you think you're going to stand up against a big chungus I mean, it can't stand. It's a baby. All right. Well, you found its one weakness. But just <laughs> shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up. Big Luigi's gonna get you. You know it. No! Big Luigi's coming around the corner. Honestly, a baby that can blacksmith and build a sled is actually terrifying because oh, they can man. probably build other stuff. Dude, that baby's the- ripped. <laughs> a baby's Not got only muscles. ripped. But it's built two blades that carve into ice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, it's lead pipe has the the words skeleton just etched into it. So it's like it just remembers all of the other skeleton sports doers that tried to convince it to make another skeleton sled. It's like, I'll show you skeletons. Wow. Terrifying. It is terrifying. But anyway, the ghost should be banished soon. Jeez, Sean, when, how long are your showers? If, if people don't know, Sean's over here helping out with a movie, and this is like, shut up. Is is this like uh, when you were filming in space where your computer setup was right next to the laundry room? So anytime somebody was doing laundry, it was like, damn it, I can't record. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. But I would, I would turn off the laundry. But I'm not gonna record when the laundry machine's going. But now he's just like, it's confusing all the water. Are you just underneath the shower? Are you, are you just like? Right next to the bathroom, just sitting in a corner, like... I mean, kind of. It's not too far. It's just down the hall, so it's like, uh, whatever. Anyway, carry on. Today, we're talking about dog sled racing. Oh, cool. 
specifically the Iditarod. Oh, I know about that. Yeah, yeah, you do. Uh, you've had Cheek and Henry try and pull you on a sled before, huh? Yeah, but it wasn't very snowy, and they weren't very good at pulling. Even though when we're on walks, Chica could pull me up a hill if I was, like, on my belly being dragged. But for some reason, when she was attached to the sled, she didn't want to do anything. Yeah, that's, that's, she, she wasn't trained. She wasn't bred for that, mm. you know? Interesting. Um, However, my dog Matilda growing up, we actually created a harness for, um, it was like a foam, uh, we, we, you know, those like, um, pipe insulator things, the gray, the gray ones you put around pipes. I think so. Yeah. Um, so my dad basically designed this harness for, for Matilda that had that. And then obviously it strapped around her body as well. And we would lay down on a skateboard in the street and my brother and I would take turns running while the other one was laying on the skateboard and Matilda would chase us and pull the person on the skateboard, basically street losing via dog power. Jeez, that's a lot of dog power. It was one dog. That was Matilda. one whole dog power? She was so powerful. Damn. And then she got old and died. Oh, well, that's sad. That was a sad ending. Why did you have to make it sad? Because... Sometimes life needs to be acknowledged that death comes after life. <laughs> I mean, I do agree, but shit, <laughs> no. Well, I'll give you some better news. Okay. What do you know about the Iditarod? Okay, so <laughs> I know that it's generally a uh, it's a race that takes place in some northern area, probably Canada. I'm guessing Alaska. Yeah, basically Canada. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, just agree with that. Yeah. Uh, but up there, and so it probably harkens back to the indigenous people of that area and using like uh, dog sleds to travel uh, great distances at great speed because I imagine that horses up there, they would just fall right through the snow. But, you know, dogs are light enough and you have enough of them. They can create quite a bit of power. And um, so and inevitably it became something that was like, oh, this travel to, hey, my dogs are better than your dogs. What do you think you're doing over here? And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll line it up. I'll show you, and then they rev the the dog engines. <laughs> they just howl, <laughs> and then they take off. And then the one thing that I do know about is there's just like this stupid video of like the no, I mean it's not a stupid video. It's very funny, but it's like a dog trying to poop mid run, and so it's just like it's it's tied to the South Park sound of like the. <laughs> the the fart whatever it is i'm not gonna repeat it is it the brown note no it's not the brown note what are you talking about you said south park that's the first thing i thought of would all right no it's just a song i'm not gonna explain it it's just it's just a dog pooping on the run and that's what's funny about it. it's not the song that's tied to it but it's just like that was part of the video that i saw but it was like the dog tried to poop so it's running and pooping at the same time it's just like very 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 funny and very efficient I mean, i i don't know about you but i've walked dogs that would poop while they're walking so <laughs> I can imagine they could do the same thing while running. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, that's what I know about the Iditarod. All right. Well, the Iditarod is obviously a dog sled race. Mm -hmm. um, it's nearly a thousand mile race in Alaska that takes place yearly in March. And the 2023 one just recently finished with Ryan Reddington being the winner with his lead dog, Ghost and Sven. Ghost and Sven. Yep. Wow. And uh, they finished the race in eight days, 21 hours, 12 minutes, and 58 seconds. Wow. The last place finisher for the Iditarod every year actually gets a trophy themselves called the Red Lantern. 
The Red Lantern. Yes. Traditionally, it uh, dates back to 1953 when the first Red Lantern was given as a joke at the Fur Rendezvous race in Anchorage, Alaska. The um, Fur was... Rendezvous race? Yep. All right. I mean, it just uh, sounds like award... a furry convention, but that... <laughs> it really does. <laughs> I was just, just going to leave that alone. Mm. Um, but it was eventually passed on the, to the Iditarod when the race began in 1973. Mm-hmm. But um, it has since become a symbol of perseverance and determination to be able to pursue and finish is very difficult. So even if you finish last, it's still an uh, incredible achievement. So the Red Lantern is an award for that reason. Okay. Well, Even though I mean, it started as a joke. So it's a participation trophy, really. I mean, no, because you have to finish. Ah, uh-huh. okay. And if you know anything about the Iditarod, not everybody finishes. At least historically, it hasn't always had, you know, people have died. I imagine it's dangerous. It's like it's got to be at least some kind of risky. I mean, you're you're talking about days in like if depending on weather and different conditions that can happen, like it's terrifying oh geez it's days yeah the winning time this year was eight days 21 hours 12 eight minutes and days? 58 seconds yes what do they do they have to they have to carry the dog food for that long too right yeah they have to they, they carry a lot of stuff they got to carry you know the basically the everything that they need survival wise um there are stops like there are stops along along the way but you do have to camp out at some sometimes yeah, good God. That's crazy. That's going to be hard on the dogs. Oh, yeah. That's why they're well-trained. They're working dogs. They're trained to work with a sled and race across the snowy terrain, uh, dragging a sled behind them as well as a person and all the supplies. Uh-huh. There are apparently multiple different divisions of dog racing. There are sprint races that are usually around 60 miles long, but can be less than 20 miles. Mid-distance races are between 100 and 300 miles, and then you have the long-distance races of 350 or more miles, with the most popular sled race obviously being the Iditarod. Yeah, okay. Damn, that's crazy. Now, Act 1! Oh, wow. The first dog sledders. Okay. So using a sled pulled by dogs actually dates back thousands of years as a way to transport people and resources. The exact origins of it are unknown, but the remains of sleds and dogs have been found on uh, Zokov Island in the Siberian Sea that are 78,000 or 7,800 to 8,000 years old. Uh-huh. So it's a long, long time. Does that qualify as prehistoric? Uh, wait, what was the year again? 7,800 to 8,000 years ago. Oh, God, I don't want to look it up again. Uh, what defines prehistoric? Oh, yeah. Before it was written records. Yeah. I, I don't, let's say no. Okay, fine. Because we have <laughs> records of it because you're literally saying it. So I'm thinking that we know it. It's, you said it was documented to be that time. So it's history. All right. I'm not going to argue with you. Um, (laughs) But obviously we don't know exactly when wolves evolved into dogs and when domestication became a massive thing. Uh, But they've been genetically different than other dog breeds, sled dogs in particular, for as long as 15,000 years ago. uh, Modern dog breeds were compared to 9,500-year-old dog remains found in the Siberian Arctic and DNA from a 33,000-year-old wolf jawbone. Wow. Yeah, but the sled dog breeds were found to be genetically closer to wolves than other dog breeds is what was found when mm-hmm. they compared sled dogs and more uh, other modern dogs 
like Chica, mm -hmm. to the remains of wolves. Okay. The sled dogs are closer to wolves. Oh, okay. Interesting. But the ancient Siberian dogs had several adaptations that helped them survive frigid conditions uh -huh. um, with the longer fur, thicker foot pads, and they were able to then be able to use those to retain warmth while running on ice and snow. These traits were passed down to modern sled dogs over the ages. Mm. So between 5,500 and 3,000 years ago, the ancestors of the Inuit people migrated from the Siberian region to what is now modern-day Alaska, Canada, and Greenland. Okay. During that time, there was a land bridge that connected those areas, where that doesn't exist now, and their sled dogs came with them during migration, likely to help them travel and make their way across the land bridge and across Canada. Mm -hmm. Cool. So, for those of you that don't know, the Inuit is what a lot of people used to call Eskimos. They have since adopted the preferred name of Inuit so that people understand where that comes from. They, they don't like the name Eskimo. I mean, I imagine that they've always they've always adopted that and I think people finally it's like it's like the whole thing about um there's there's a, tons of stand-up comedy bits like you know, pilgrims come in they're like you're Indians, right? And they're like no, no, we're not. And then pilgrims Nah, you're Indians. Like I forget yeah, what continued calling them. It's just, that, just like yeah. it's like, and they just constantly just like, no, that's not what it is. Yeah. So it's probably like that's their name, and finally people come around like, oh, oh, right, we're idiots. Well, I think part of it was because most of them wanted to be called by their individual tribe names, mm. um, because they obviously have different beliefs based on the different tribes. Right, right. And because we as people are like, that's too difficult. We're gonna call you this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And that's, that's not cool. Yeah, that's not cool. But that's not what we're here for. No, we're here for sled racing. Mm -hmm. And modern dog sled racing, like many other ways of transversing snow and terrain, eventually became a sport. Mm -hmm. Just like skeleton used to be the form for the soldiers to transport. Apparently not a very effective one, as we've covered. They lost. Like, let's not get, <laughs> let's not get things mixed up. They lost. I think it was all the people going, woo. And then it was like, hey, I think we're under attack. I stab in the weeing direction. <laughs> stab in the wee. <laughs> stab them in their wees. Uh, but the first recorded dock sled race was an all Alaska sweepstakes in 1908, mm -hmm. which was a 400 mile race between Nome and Candle, Alaska, which was over very difficult terrain. Mm hmm. The most notable dog race took place in 1925. This was a race like none other, as it wasn't a sports competition for a prize, but a race against time to save the lives of the people of Nome. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how to pronounce this disease, but diphtheria epidemic? Diphtheria. I've heard of that. Mm, yeah. Um, uh, an acute, highly contagious bacterial disease causing inflammation of the mucous membranes, formation of a false membrane in the throat that hinders breathing and swallowing, and potentially fatal heart and nerve damage by a bacterial toxin in the blood. It is now rare in developed countries because of immunization. Hey! Thank you for that, Mark. <laughs> You're welcome. What a hype man for my, my Googling abilities. I, I, was, I was hyping the fact that immunization... Ooh, oh, yeah! Oh, yeah, of course. But because medical supplies were urgently needed, but the supplies were in Nanana, Alaska, I'm probably butchering these names, 674 miles away. And airplanes will still, were still relatively new at this time and couldn't fly the distance, not to mention the weather that they could potentially encounter. So it was determined that a relay of dog sleds would transport the life-saving medicine to Nome, mm -hmm. which the first leg of the relay started in Jan on January 27th, 1925 at 9 p.m. 
by a musher named Wild Bill Shannon. Wild Bill Shannon. Wild Bill had a team of inexperienced dogs, and by the end of his journey to Minto, three of his dogs had perished, and he had frostbite and hypothermia. Well, damn. Yeah. He went a little too wild. I mean, he really wanted to help, and so um, he wasn't experienced, and I guess the dogs weren't prepared, he wasn't prepared, and they... uh, they got hit by the cold. Uh, they got hit by the cold. That's one way to put it. Oh, <laughs> Jack no. Frost was really nipping at his toes. Jack Frost punched him in the face until he died. No! He's, well, that's what happened. Well, no, you he, said he died of cold, and that's what happens. Three of his dogs perished. He had frostbite and hypothermia. It doesn't oh, say he died. I thought you said he died. I didn't say that. I, I glossed over every time you say, like, the dogs suffer in any way, I gloss over that. And then it's like, no, oh, poor Bill Stomper. What was his name? I don't remember. <laughs> Wild, Wild Bill, Bill Shannon. Wild Bill Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> The longest and most treasured leg of the relay was completed by musher Leonhard Sapala and his team of dogs led by Togo. Togo and Sapala traveled over 260 miles between getting to where they needed to be to collect the medicine and completing their run of the relay. Mm. Most of it was over dangerous, difficult terrain, and Togo, his dog, led a team of dogs through a storm in the middle of the night, traveling 91 miles to hand the medicine to the next musher. Mm. Charlie Olson, who transported it 25 miles to the final musher, Gunnar Kassen. Mm. So Gunnar had a team of dogs led by Balto, which is what the movie is about. Oh! Okay. He completed the last 53 miles of the journey to bring the medicine to Nome. Balta was hailed as a hero for being the lead dog for the last leg of the journey. Uh, There's some debate over whether Balta's fame is deserved, as Leonhard Sapalo, Balta's owner and fellow relay musher, said that Balta was not a lead dog, and Gunner's lead dog was actually named Fox. It's speculated that Balta was a more newsworthy name than Fox, so the media ran with it. Okay, interesting. Regardless of which dog received the credit, the 20 mushers and more than 100 dogs involved were heroes for mushing the medicine, traveling day and night through storms, and negative 50 degree and colder weather over snow and ice to help a town of people who could likely have died without the actions of these mushers and their dogs. (laughs) All right. The reason I talk about this is this incredible journey inspired the creation of the Iditarod, which is the race from Anchorage to Nome, that most of the part follows the same route as the historic relay to deliver the medicine. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And so the first Iditarod was in 1973 between 34 mushers, only 22 finished the nearly 1,000-mile race, and it is now a yearly event that takes place over several days each March. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a number of other dog sledding races that take place in Alaska, Canada, and the U.S. and across the globe, but the Iditarod will forever be the most famous one, apparently. Mm. I mean, because uh, because it follows that same path of delivering medicine, it makes sense to me why it would be the most famed race. I think it's also one of the longest ones, and so probably likely the most dangerous. Mm-hmm. Let me see if the Iditarod is the most dangerous. It's the most famous and most infamous sled dog race. Mm, famous and infamous. Yeah, so with the the most dangerous part being the trail that follows Happy River Gorge to Rainy Pass, the elevation of the pass is 3,200 feet, and from there the teams navigate the steep Dazel Gorge to Roan. Dazel Gorge. This checkpoint has zero year-round human inhabitants. Mm. So it's 
naked. Oh, damn, it's like no one there. No one. I mean, there are definitely, like, people don't realize that there are huge swaths of the planet that people just don't live because it is completely not good for people to live there. And yet, in other places that are no different than those places, there's tons of people there. For some reason, they're up there. It kind of goes to, like, the massive snowfall that's hit California in that one part of the region where they got completely locked out was because of the way the landscape is arranged. Mm -hmm. Obviously, over the years, it hasn't gotten that amount of snowfall, but historically it has. Mm -hmm. The way that they got shut off is obviously the electrical wires and stuff like that is like, you know, places that have to have water shipped in or places that have to have things like that that aren't like natural safe havens for humans where people would have inhabited before the advent of technology become very dangerous when major events like this snowfall has happened. Mm. So like you said, there's multiple places, especially in Alaska where people cannot live because of weather or climate or lack of like the necessities of water and other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also it like harkens back to the time when humans were more nomadic and kind of like ties into the whole idea of dog sleds because you need to move a lot of things to get to different places throughout the year because conditions for hunting and, you know, like seasonal things do change even up there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, avoiding the cold, trying to get into warmer areas makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. So, Mark, it's time for Act Two. Okay. You must prepare for your dog sled race. Oh, wait a minute. I'm pulling out my union card here. You can't make me do anything that's not approved by Luigi over there. Uh, You pull one rule that goes against the union bylaws, and I'll get the whole union over here and strike your entire dog sledding business. (laughs) Why are you laughing? Oh... This is when the gods arrive. Oh no! What's the Hurley God Unions doing here? Can't touch gods. I think they can. I am the dog sled so, god. All right, okay. You must prepare and build your sled with materials of wood, aircraft aluminum, carbon fiber, <laughs> steel, rubber, plastic, and nylon, all laid before you, gifted to uh, you by the gods. I don't know why aircraft aluminum really got me. It's just- I was not ready for aircraft aluminum. <laughs> you can make your sled fly if you so choose. <laughs> no, 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 no. Baby Mark's on strike. I'm not doing nothing. Here's the good news. Uh-huh. There are no set dimensions for your dog sled in the oh, Iditarod. Interesting. Okay. But there are two main rules for requ- and requirements of sleds. Uh-huh. They must be capable of carrying any injured or fatigued dogs undercover. In addition to equipment and food. Okay, well, that's actually kind of nice. You know, usually when you're speaking in such a menacing voice, I thought it was going to be like, you must leave all injured dogs behind. No, you must carry them with you. All right. Braking devices cannot be constructed to fit between the runners, or they must be constructed to fit between the runners. Sorry, I get confused sometimes. Man, you don't They cannot like extend you know beyond the tails of the runners. Mm-hmm. Okay. So your braking must be within the runners, between right. them, fit between them. Here are your components of the sled, for your knowledge, of course, so that you know how to build one. All right. You have your handlebar. Mm-hmm. Can be made of wood or metal. Mm. And at the back of the sled, it extends from the runners and forms the highest point of the sled. Mm-hmm. Use the handlebar to steer and hold on for dear life, as you have dogs pulling you at high speeds. Okay. 
You have your top rail, which is a curved piece of wood that holds the stanchions in place. Uh-huh. You have your cargo bed or basket. This is your storage for gear. Uh-huh. Nylon cover can be attached to protect the cargo from the harsh conditions of the storm. Okay. You have your brush bow, the front bumper of the sled, designed to prevent damage to the sled if you run into a snowbank, rock, or tree. Mm-hmm. This is your, like, bumper. If you, uh-huh. if you, you thought of your sled like Who a bumper are, car, What this. are we bumping up against? I just said it. All right. Snow, snow banks, snow, rocks, or oh, trees. Okay. I was thinking like there's going to be like animals and stuff on the way and you just got the dogs just chew them up like a grinder on the way. That's how they eat. You aim for the moose and they're just a yeti gets another path. No, we have a race to win. You have to have your claw break. It's a uh, spring action steel claw that attaches to the rear of the sled brace running from front to back. Mm-hmm. It's positioned between your feet, so when you step on it, you break and dig the claw into the snow, causing the causing it to I know snow. how a break works. I don't know. You're a baby. I know many things. I know enough to join the union. <laughs> oh, well, good thing gods are immune to unions. That's not how it works, silly. <laughs> Stanchions are the framework of the sled consisting of vertical pieces of wood between the runners and top rails uh, you need those you got to have your footboards which are the plastic strips or rubber that fit onto the back of the runners where you stand mm-hmm. it's that little that little platform for you to stand on you know i'd like to think that this type of god is what, what people think of when they're like oh man the ancient egyptians had inspiration or got direction it's like it's just an angry grumpy god like <laughs> put that rock there cut that in a square make a triangle it's got to be exactly 137 meters tall they're like what's a meter shut up You'll figure it out. Yeah, get your babies out here. They're the best labor. Lay three babies next to each other, head to toe, and that's how you get a yard. And then the imperial (laughs) system gods mess with the metric system. Goes like, (laughs) a meter. We add an extra toe to the baby that's longer. No. (laughs) Your runners. This is the part of your sled that makes contact with the ground. Mm Hmm. Uh, much like the the sled, and uh, you have your your snow hook, a large hook made out of steel and aluminum <laughs> oh, good, that attaches. I, I didn't know who was talking for a second. That, <laughs> that attaches to the sled with a rope and is used to anchor the sled when stopped. Yeah, all right. They're designed to dig in the snow when pulled and keep the dogs from running away with the sled. All right. In case they get spooked. Okay, I like spook. You know, because you got to stop and take a pee or something. Yeah, oh, I know, I know. Well, you don't just pee off the back. No, silly. You got to pay attention where your dogs are going. Curve your head backwards when you're pissing. Do it. Do like an inverted crab when you're when you're pissing. You always see forward. And you're always pissing back. You do a handstand and hold on with your legs and then pee out over the back. You still wouldn't see forwards. No, crab walk is the superior form. <laughs> I don't know if the platform's big enough for a crab walk. Ah, uh, you hold on to the sides. Look, I'm a baby. I'm real nimble. <laughs> you like, you got your grippy feet. You grab them with your toes. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> now you're getting it. Now you're seeing the potential of baby labor. All right, you got to gather your gear now. Oh, no. <laughs> because dog sled races take place over multiple days in very harsh conditions, there's a lot of gear that you actually have to carry not only for you but for your dogs to keep you all safe and warm and comfortable in case inclement weather hits which Uh, is very likely during a dog race 
Uh-huh. So required gear is like your cold weather sleeping bag weighing a minimum of five pounds. Uh-huh. You have to carry an axe that is at least 22 inches long. You have to have a pair of snowshoes, which each shoe must be at least 252 square inches. Uh-huh. Any Iditarod Trail Committee promotional material to be trail mail in honor of the Iditarod Trail being the route dog teams that would help deliver mail to the interior of Alaska as well. So you, can, mm-hmm. you carry mail. Okay, cool. Eight booties for each dog in the sled or in use. Yeah. One operational cooker and pot capable of boiling at least three gallons of water at a time because clean water is essential not only for you, but for the dogs as well. Uh Uh-huh. You have to have a veterinarian notebook to be presented to the veterinarian at each checkpoint. Uh Uh-huh. And then you have to have a functional non-chafing harness for each dog in the team and a functional neckline. The neckline is used for just signaling to the dogs for turns and different things like that. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they're strapped on. Mm -hmm. And then you have to have adequate emergency dog food. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's the dog food. That's what I was waiting for. Yep. And then you have your equipment, which is your winter weather clothing. Uh Uh-huh. Usually has, you know, fur rough, snow pants, warm waterproof boots, hats, Uh gloves, goggles, thermal garments that are moisture wicking. Okay. I like moisture. You got to have your food. You need plenty for you to eat while you're on the trail. That's what the moose grinder is for. Oh, so your dogs, you train your dogs not only to pull the sled, but to hunt moose. Yeah, no, they don't even have to hunt. They just have to go forward and then turn their heads to the middle and then let their teeth do the work. (laughs) You should see the blood sprays. Oh my God. (laughs) Drive by dog teeth. (laughs) I'm telling you, I am going to revolutionize this sport. (laughs) But your food is usually frozen and vacuum sealed, so it's easy to heat up in the hot water for your cooker. Hot water? Where am I getting hot water? When you boil the three... I got a stove on this bad boy? Yeah, I I said that earlier. Am I I making soup as we're going? I feel like that might be dangerous. No, but here's a very important thing that you probably should have. Okay. Pee pants. Pee pants. I'm sorry. It's exactly what you think. It's exactly what you think. Diapers, right? (laughs) No, pee pants. All right, I'm thinking, we're thinking different things, so it's not exactly what I think. It is. It's a thousand miles bathroom break stops slow you down. So some mushers use a specialized pee pants that are a mix of bicycle shorts, a funnel, and a tube that runs down your leg, out your pant leg next to your boot. So uh, you can pee while standing on your sled and I'm just leave a trail of guys, piss. The crab walk would revolutionize the sport because <laughs> you'd also have a lower profile. So you would have less drag. You'd be more aerodynamic. And the force of your pee going out the back would add a tiny bit of thrust. <laughs> I'm revolutionizing this thing. The crab pee instead of the funnel tube yeah. bicycle shorts. Then it becomes a thing where you're trying to keep your mouth open so the snow goes in so you constantly stay hydrated and then you train your peeing muscles so that you shoot it out faster so you can get that speed bonus. All right, now we have your dogs. No, equipment. don't ignore me. I'm ignoring don't you. Don't ignore me. I did her a god. You listen to me. No. The I did a gods must obey my whims. You dream. (laughs) So now you have your dog's equipment, which there are lines that attach to each of your dogs to each other and the sled. Mm -hmm. Um, There are three different lines. There's the gauge line, which is the, the, the main line that connects that all dogs are attached to, which is usually made of thick cable. This is the one that runs down the center. Then you have your tug lines, which are the lines that connect the back of the harness of each dog 
that each dog is wearing to the gang line to then be able to pull the sled. Mm-hmm. And then they have the necklines, which are the lines that go from the dog's collars to the gang line and are used to keep the dog's team organized while moving. And then uh, other equipment you need are dog coats, just like humans, because they get cold. Okay. Dog leg warmer snow pants, uh-huh. basically snow, snow pants for dogs. The male wrap or a pocket protector, mm-hmm. a fur and synthetic wrap to protect a male dog's huh? genitalia from oh, frostbite. Okay, you didn't need to be weird about it. Well, it was written in a different way, and I was, like, thinking of the word. It wasn't trying to be weird. <laughs> Didn't you write it? No, this this one was written by my research assistant. Oh, you got research assistant. Oh, Mr. Fancy Degree needs help researching. Maybe I need to spend my time doing other things sometimes, Mark. <laughs> why are you? What? Is, what the hell? Are you, why are you saying it like that? What are I you? Don't know. I don't want to know any more of what's happening here. Let's <laughs> carry on. You also need to carry straw. Um, this is for your dogs to rest on. Much like you have a sleeping bag, you need to protect them from the elements of the ground, and the straw helps give them some warmth and protection from the snow. Sure. All right. All right, baby Mark. Okay. It's time to build your team of dogs. Okay. You can't just have Chica and Henry as much as they would be fabulous dogs to have with you on your trip. Uh Uh-huh. You need 12 to 14 dogs on your team. 12 to 14? It can be variable? Yes. Oh, interesting. I would automatically assume that more is better. Some of the more popular dog breeds are Alaskan Husky, Alaskan Malamute, Siberian Husky, Chinook, and Samoyed. Uh Uh-huh. You're going to have two wheel dogs. These dogs are the largest and toughest. They're the ones that would win any fight and would stare down a snow giant in its eye. <laughs> Where else would you stare it down in its crotch? That'd just be weird. Actually, no, that would be a power move. You just stare, you just stare someone down. Back off! Back off! Stare it, stare it down in its get nipples. Get back! Get back! Get back! You don't want to know what I'm going to do to your nipples. You don't want to know! Get back! <laughs> get back! We invented the r- drive-by teeth shredding. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want your nipples anywhere near my teeth. Get back. Get back. <laughs> These are the dogs that are right in front of the sled and generally pull the most weight. Uh, okay. Then you have your six plus team dogs. These dogs are the muscle of the sled, responsible for maintaining speed. Mm-hmm. So once they get the sled going, these dogs pick up where the wheel dogs kind of help initiate. Then you have your swing dogs, which are in front of the team dogs, and they're responsible for turning the sled. They're the smart ones. They're like, oh, I follow you. We go right. We go left. Mm, Interesting. And then you have your one or two lead dogs. Uh Uh-huh. The lead dog not only sets the pace, but it keeps the rest of the team on the trail. They must be able to recognize and acknowledge conditions and basically respond to the commands that you make to sniff out the trail when markers can't be seen weird okay so lead dogs are the ones responsible for keeping you and the rest of your dog sled team safe Uh they're the ones that are your eyes your ears and your nose to keep on the trail and not fall off cliffs Uh uh-huh okay next you need to find a trail Uh so the Adidarod has two main routes alternating each year to distribute the impact of the event on small local villages along the route and erosion along the trail Although it is on snow, it's important to, you know, keep nature nature. 
Uh, it is important, yes. So you have the Northern Trail, which happens on even-numbered years, um, so it was not the trail this year. Mm-hmm. The route is 975 miles long. The Southern Trail, used on odd-numbered years, which was, was the one used this year, is 998 miles long, so it's actually longer. You know what I love about learning about these types of sports, in addition to the important information that you give, and that's very important? It just, like, opens up. There's a there's a German word for it that I always forget. The, the feeling that you look at something and you realize there's a whole other life that 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 other person is living all of their wants and needs and history and future are like completely separate from you, but going on. Do you know that word? I don't know the word. It's not the surrealism, is it? No, no, no. It's Sonder. Sonder. The realization that each random passerby is living a life as vivid and, and complex as your own. It's, I may not be a German word. I can't, uh, but it's, it's just this thing where when you talk about these races happening up north, it's kind of the realization that like there are some people out there in parts of the world you never think about whose entire like worldview revolves around getting better at a sport or a, an act or a skill that most of the world doesn't even know is happening. Like their entire existence in these dogs and like the, the maintaining of the nature trails is 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 like sp- laser focused on this one thing and getting better and like getting these races obviously they have other things in their life it's not entirely about that they still got to have another life but it's 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 like a fascinating thing across the world there's all these people that like they live and breathe this universe and we don't even know it exists like that's that's fascinating to me yeah the the whole training dogs breeding dogs and making them able to be able to do races like this and not only that a lot of people don't understand that sled dogs don't just do sled races. They often are used at, around like, at least historically, they were used for other purposes as well, for hunting and other sorts of things, especially the lead dogs, because that's why they have the, they're the lead dogs is they know the trail, they learn, they, they have the heightened sense of smell, they're able to navigate things really well, and they're used in multiple different ways. Sometimes even search dogs are used for dog sled racing as well. Mm -hmm. Not so much necessarily today, but historically, like they would be the ones that would, you know, uh, a snow cap would, an avalanche would hit and they'd they'd have to run and bring the dog to try and find people. Mm -hmm. So it's like the lives of the dogs and the lives of the people are so vastly different than what we grew up with in Ohio versus like, and then going over to Europe and like the focus around a different sport or a different tradition or, or just a different environment and just thinking about the environment of the difficult terrain and the amount of snow that Alaska gets mm-hmm. like Alaska I think is the one that has like 13 days of night or something like that yeah at some point because of the way that the planet is shifted on its axis and rotates around the sun mm-hmm. and so it's so fascinating to me like that concept is so foreign I can't imagine it but I can think of what it might be like but even that is not realistic to what they experience yeah yeah it's like so beyond everything and this just gives a little glimpse into it i just think it's, it's a powerful thing to think about well and that's why i i, I wanted to focus on more than more sports than like the major sports that we know in the united states and mm-hmm. something we had talked about in general was like this was you even said when we came up with the concept was like this is a part of my life that you don't know is like me enjoying sports and knowing about sports and mm-hmm. talking about sports yeah so it's fascinating it is. It's fascinating. But there are tiny villages and towns that serve as checkpoints for the Iditarod, but most of the trail is snow and ice, and there are over 12,000 markers along the trail to help guide the mushers. Mm, mushers. And very simply, winning the Iditarod or a sl- dog sled race is the first team to cross the finish line. Of course. So. 
Now you must begin your journey. Oh, God. You are a musher. I'm You've a musher. packed your gear, uh, harnessed your dog team, and are in position at the start line. Uh, it's time to start your race. Uh, You're the third one to start, Mark. You're the third one to take off. Interesting. Due to some luck, you drew from the boot at the musher's banquet. A I drew days from ago. the boot. Wait, well, did you mention the boot? What's the boot? Oh, the boot is how it's determined the order in which you take off, the order in which you start. Fascinating. You, just draw, you drew number three. Ten. Nine. What? Eight. Oh, God. Seven. I've had no training. Six. I've had no training. Five. You didn't tell me how. Four. You didn't tell me how. Three. Two. One. Go! Uh, go, puppies. You're giving commands to your lead dog. Uh. You steer your dogs along the trail. You're alone with your thoughts, thinking of your strategy to complete the race over the next ten or more days. Uh-huh. When should you stop? How often? Uh, now I'm striking. Getting the union reps in here. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Will you make it to the next checkpoint before the blizzard rolls in? Oh, God. Have you packed everything that you absolutely need? Did you forget something that might be essential that wasn't a necessity at first, but now because of the weather change, it might be important? I don't know. D am I? I don't know. It's up to you. What is this? Nothing has been up to me. What do you, don't you talk to me about something being up to me? <laughs> listen, the gods sent you on this mission. <laughs> that doesn't mean I have to listen to them. I don't even believe in you. <laughs> you do. No, I don't. I know you do. I believe. You believe that I believe <laughs> I believe that you believe. If nobody believes, I'll believe in you. Oh, wow. You know, that's not as inspirational as you think it is. But all right. <laughs> All right, you're traversing the trail. You stop at mandatory checkpoints mm -hmm. to rest, restock food, and make sure your dogs are healthy. Yeah. Checking on their, their toe pads. Uh -huh. Checking on their warmth. How's your toes? Let me splash <laughs> some blood on those. Let's get a moose in here. That'll <laughs> warm you up. <laughs> you only have one more checkpoint to go before you reach the finish line. Uh -huh. You just have to make it from White Mountains to Safety, Alaska. Man, this has been a short race. You spend hours on the trail listening to your favorite podcast. Uh-huh. Let's go, my favorite. Ah, uh, distractible. <laughs> no! <laughs> <laughs> to pass the time, you stop to let your dogs rest and eat. The weather starts to deteriorate. The light snow quickly becoming a whiteout. Mm. You can barely see the wheel dogs in front of your sled, the ones closest to you. Okay. The rest of the world is nothing but billing blinding snows. Okay. Not a single trail marker can be seen. All you can see are those giant fluffy dog butts right in front of your sled. That's all I see. You have no idea what way to go, but you trust your lead dog to take mm. the reins okay. and bring you to safety. Fascinating. Now you're the lead dog. Mm. <laughs> there are so many smells around you. What? Wait, what happened to me? <laughs> what just happened? You're, you're still on the sled. You're still on the sled. This is your lead dog taking over the story. Focus the camera. Zooms in. You're now Chica. There are so many smells around you. The other dogs. The remnants of the kibble on your breath. What the hell? The earth sent the straw you were laying on just a little bit ago. Oh, God. You might be a bit distracted by a shiny bright light that's flickering around. Only tinily a bit. <laughs> now that you've rested and eaten, you're ready to run. Am I? What? Your musher shouts, let's go! <laughs> In their baby voice. Let's go! <laughs> let's go! 
<laughs> dashing forward and leading your fellow dog friends along the path. Uh-huh. The snow is falling and blowing everywhere, but you don't mind because your nose knows where to go. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You can smell the traces of the other dogs and people that are ahead of you on the trail. Mm. Faint whiffs of body odor, dander, and particularly pee. And moose. And moose. Moose blood. And the yetis in the night. Okay. They may have been here hours and hours ago, but you know they were here. Even with the warm booties on your feet, you can feel the hard-packed snow of the trail. Uh-huh. No, you're going exactly where you need to be. Okay. You're avoiding the cliffside. Over several hours, you follow your nose towards more and more smells. And the farther you go, the more smells you sniff. The more smells I smell. The more smelly smells are smelled. Oh, I'm smelling a lot of smelly smells over here. You lead your team to the cacophony of smells, eager the, to find out the, what's there. The cacophony? The cacophony. There's a cacophony of smells over here, guys. Oh man, that back dog's, <laughs> back dog's been <laughs> sniffing too many farts. Uh, too much <laughs> methane in their blood. They ain't, they ain't doing too good. <laughs> You're the lead dogs. You've just been crop oh, dusting the lead. entire okay. team. I thought I was one of the, I couldn't remember. I kept shifting <laughs> dogs here. No. You pick up the pace, rushing to investigate the smell of a new friend you met a few days ago on the trail when uh, another sled passed your sled. Uh-huh. You hear a whoa from your mushroom. You begin to slow down. Wow. Disappointed that it'll take longer to say hi to your new acquaintance. Whoa. All right, back to being a musher. All right, back to it. <laughs> oh, no. As the snow lessens, you can see lights in the distance. A wave of relief washes over you. Oh, I'm relieved. Because the flood of gratitude of your amazing lead pup that led you through the whiteout. Uh-huh. You made it to safety. Okay, I'm safe. Once you and your dogs reach the checkpoint, you're off to the final stretch. Mm-hmm. Your dogs race forward across the snow in what seems like no time at all. Mm-hmm. You hear the faint siren throughout the town as you arrive in Nome, signaling your approach to the finish line. Mm-hmm. You cross, going under the end of the Iditarod sled race sign. Uh-huh. Exhausted, but happy. I'm happy, apparently. Yes, because you just completed a massive long journey of almost a thousand miles of sledding through harsh conditions and treacherous terrain, thanks to trust between you and your dogs. Eh, it wasn't so bad. Wow, way to undersell it. It wasn't so bad. So you've been gone for over a week through the snow and ice. You finally are to the finish. Mm-hmm. You were the last to cross. Hmm. You get the famed Red Lantern. While you didn't win the race, you're still a winner in your own mind, overcoming the harsh conditions, the training that you and, and the trust between you and your dogs and the companionship that you've built between them. Uh-huh something you'll remember for your rest of your life wow i'm gonna remember this except that i'm a baby and my memory gets reset at age three wait is that true is baby no it's, it's not so much <laughs> reset because it's like i explored this before it's like i i remember one of my earliest members is being excited about my birthday so you do remember it's just like you know you don't you don't like achieve consciousness until a certain point <laughs> That's kind of like what it's all about. It's a brain wipe, so you can't understand the language of the babies anymore. Uh, I remember that movie. I don't remember. I don't think I did. I watch that, but I, did I see a clip of it? But I, that was a movie. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's basically the experience you going through, like the Iditarod, inclement weather, harsh terrain, animals, other racers. I mean, there's bears, there's wolves, there's all kinds of things that can suddenly decide oh you're prey and try and murder you and your dogs wow so, yeah let's never do that again no you had the you had the gods on your side no you clearly were not on my side because i wasn't on your side 
I believe that you believed in me. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I don't believe in you. Yeah, the, the entire premise of dog sled racing is building that bond between you and your dogs and trusting them to follow the right path, especially your lead dogs, and then trusting in them to being able to pull you mm. and being able to take care of them as they take care of you. They mm. take care of you to, to try and keep you safe on the trail uh. and navigate the path, and you take care of them. When it's time to rest, you feed them, you check on their condition, you make sure that if one of them has frostbite or something else, you pull them off the sled and run with a smaller team and they stay in the warm compartment in front of you. Well, see, that sounds nice. So, uh, ultimately, it's literally you and your dogs on an entire week-long journey together, fighting through weather, harsh terrain, everything that you can imagine, and overcoming and persevering through storms. There have been moments in time where people have been stranded in storms, Uh, and you're you're literally trying to just stay warm and huddled together. Um, A lot of times, you know, you'll kind of sleep with your dogs because dogs provide a lot of warmth, and it's that pack mentality. A lot of dogs, in like wolves in the wilderness, sleep kind of on top of each other to stay warm in harsh conditions. I mean, that's pretty cool. That's dog sled racing. Hmm. All right. Well, I learned a lot. I mean, it was very informative, and I feel like the gods were against me the entire time, but I overcame their cruel, cruel oversight, and I achieved getting the 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 red shoe. Red, red lantern. Red sh- lantern. Can you imagine, though, like, uh, the small towns that generally don't see a lot of people having the Iditarod run through them and having, you know, you get to see new people. You Like, this is a major event in Alaska. Yeah, crowds in every little town show up. People will travel to the small towns to see the path mm-hmm. and see people run through. I mean, the whole race is based around the history of delivering medicine to save lives. Yeah, and so that is really embodied in the entire race, in the mm-hmm. sense of like everybody that comes through is almost regarded in in a heroic fashion and celebrated for making the journey. Mm-hmm. No, it's cool. I like it. Like that's pretty fun. Do you think Cheek and Henry will ever be able to pull you on a sled? Not at all. They're lazy as hell. <laughs> well, what they can do is lift morale on a movie set because that's clearly happening. And that is what they're best at. Being cute. Any last last words you want to say about dog sled racing? No, no. I think he did a great job. I think that everyone out there learned something and everyone's going to go wandering into the wilderness right about now. Oh, God, please don't. (laughs) Yeah, don't do that. But thank you, Mark, for joining me on this dog sledding journey Mm -hmm. and being willing to become a dog in my story as I described it at the end. That's what I'm here for. It wasn't willingly, but, you know, that's what I'm here for, apparently. (laughs) If you want to hear more from the podcast, you can simply just follow us right here where you're listening. You can also see coming soon um, when Mark finishes his movie and stuff video exclusive on Spotify. So make sure and follow us over on Spotify. You can check us out. Me on social media is Tyler Shy at Apocalypse underscore 12. Mark you can find over wherever Markiplier exists because that's everywhere known to mankind as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Be sure to check out store.gmfsd.com. We've got pins, brand new pins collection. You can get the Elegant Listener bundle. You can get so much more. Check it out over there. Be sure and give your dogs plenty of love today. While they are not ones to run the Iditarod probably, or maybe they are. Give them some love. Keep them warm. Hold them close because dogs are cherished and lovely creatures. If you have cats, do the same. 
any other pets. Give them all the love in the world and take care of them kindly. And may the weather of the Iditarod ever be in your favor if you decide to run it. Or if you just decide to run outside, may weather and conditions forever be in your favor. But thank you so much for listening. And we will see you next week on Go My Favorite Sports Team. Okay, thank you, bye. All right, bye.